Chapter One of Book Six of Les Miserables, Volume Four, by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by May Low. Les Miserables, Volume Four, by Victor Hugo, translated by Isabel Florence Hapgood. Book Six, Little Gavroche, Chapter One. The malicious playfulness of the wind. Since eighteen twenty three, when the tavern of Montfermeil was on its way to shipwreck and was being gradually engulfed, not in the abyss of bankruptcy, but in the cesspool of petty debts, the Thenardier pair had had two other children, both males. That made five, two girls and three boys. Madame Thenardier had got rid of the last two while they were still young and very small, with remarkable luck. Got rid of is the word. There was but a mere fragment of nature in that woman, a phenomenon, by the way, of which there is more than one example extant. Like the Maréchal de la Mothoudancourt, the Thénardier was a mother to her daughters only. There her maternity ended. Her hatred of the human race began with her own sons. In the direction of her sons, her evil disposition was uncompromising, and her heart had a lugubrious wall in that quarter. As the reader has seen, she detested the eldest. She cursed the other two. Why? Because. The most terrible of motives, the most unanswerable of retorts. Because. I have no need of a litter of squalling brats, said this mother. Let us explain how the Thenardiers had succeeded in getting rid of their last two children, and even in drawing profit from the operation. The woman Magnon, who was mentioned a few pages further back, was the same one who had succeeded in making old Guillenormand support the two children which she had had. She lived on the Quai des Célestines, at the corner of this ancient street of the Petit Musque, which afforded her the opportunity of changing her evil repute into good odour. The reader will remember the great epidemic of croup which ravaged the river districts of the Seine in Paris thirty-five years ago, and of which science took advantage to make experiments on a grand scale as to the efficacy of inhalations of alum, so beneficially replaced at the present day by the external tincture of iodine. During this epidemic the Magnon lost both her boys, who were still very young, one in the morning the other in the evening of the same day. This was a blow. These children were precious to their mother. They represented eighty francs a month. These eighty francs were punctually paid in the name of Monsieur Guillenormand, by collector of his rents, Monsieur Barge, a retired tipstaff in the Rue des Rois de Cécile. The children dead, the income was at an end. The Magnon sought an expedient. In that dark freemasonry of evil, of which she formed a part, everything is known, all secrets are kept, and all lend mutual aid. Magnon needed two children. The Thenardiers had two. The same sex, the same age. A good arrangement for the one, a good investment for the other. The little Thenardiers became little Magnons. Magnon quitted the Quai de la Celestine, and went to live in the Rue Clocheperce. In Paris, 
The identity which binds an individual to himself is broken between one street and another. The registry office, being in no way warned, raised no objections, and the substitution was effected in the most simple manner in the world. Only, the Thénardier extracted for this loan of her children ten francs a month, which Magnon promised to pay, and which she actually did pay. It is unnecessary to add that Monsieur Guillenormand continued to perform his compact. He came to see the children every six months. He did not perceive the change. Monsieur, Magnon said to him, how much they resemble you. Thénardier, to whom avatars were easy, seized this occasion to become Jondrette. His two daughters and Gavroche had hardly had time to discover that they had two little brothers. When a certain degree of misery is reached, one is overpowered with a sort of spectral indifference, and one regards human beings as though they were spectres. Your nearest relations are often no more for you than vague shadowy forms, barely outlined against a nebulous background of life, and easily confounded again with the invisible. On the evening of the day when she handed over her two little ones to Magnon, with express intention of renouncing them forever, the Thénardier had felt, or had appeared to feel, a scruple. She said to her husband, But this is abandoning our children. Thénardier, masterful and phlegmatic, cauterized the scruple with this saying, Jean-Jacques Rousseau did even better. From scruples, the mother proceeded to uneasiness. But what if the police were to annoy us? Tell me, Monsieur Thénardier, is what we have done permissible? Thénardier replied, Everything is permissible. No one will see anything but true blue in it. Besides, no one has any interest in looking closely after children who have not a sou. Magnon was a sort of fashionable woman in the sphere of crime. She was careful about her toilet. She shared her lodgings, which were furnished in an affected and wretched style, with a clever, gallicized English thief. This Englishwoman, who had become a naturalized Parisienne, recommended by very wealthy relations, intimately connected with the medals in the library, and Mademoiselle Mar's diamonds, became celebrated later on in judicial accounts. She was called Mademoiselle Miss. The two little creatures who had fallen to Magnon had no reason to complain of their lot. Recommended by the eighty francs, they were well cared for, as is everything from which profit is derived. They were neither badly clothed nor badly fed. They were treated almost like little gentlemen, better by their false mother than by their real one. Magnon played the lady and talked no thieves' slang in their presence. Thus passed several years. Thénardier augured well from the fact. One day he chanced to say to Magnon as she handed him his monthly stipend of ten francs, The father must give them some education. All at once, these two poor children, who had, up to that time, been protected tolerably well, even by their evil fate, were abruptly hurled into life, and forced to begin it for themselves. A wholesale arrest of malefactors, like that in the Jondrette garret, necessarily complicated by investigations and subsequent incarcerations, is a veritable disaster for that hideous and occult counter-society which pursues its existence beneath public society. An adventure of this description, 
entails all sorts of catastrophes in that sombre world. The Thenardier catastrophe involved the catastrophe of Magnon. One day, a short time after Magnon had handed to Eponine the note relating to the Rue Plumet, a sudden raid was made by the police in the Rue Clocheperce. Magnon was seized, as was also Mademoiselle Miss, and all the inhabitants of the house, which was of a suspicious character, were gathered into the net. While this was going on, the two little boys were playing in the back yard, and saw nothing of the raid. When they tried to enter the house again, they found the door fastened, and the house empty. A cobbler opposite called them to him, and delivered to them a paper which their mother had left for them. On this paper there was an address, Monsieur Barge, Collector of Rents, Rue de la Roi de Cécile, Number 8. The proprietor of the stall said to them, You cannot live here any longer. Go there. It is nearby, the first street on the left. Ask your way from this paper. The children set out, the elder leading the younger, and holding in his hand the paper which was to guide them. It was cold, and his benumbed little fingers could not close very firmly, and they did not keep a very good hold on the paper. At the corner of the Rue Cloche-Perce, a gust of wind tore it from him, and, as night was falling, the child was not able to find it again. They began to wander aimlessly through the streets. End of Book 6 Chapter 1